Gina Della from Pella. Choose five years no interest and five months no first payment or 10-year 2.99 APR financing. Ends August 31st. Set your free consultation today at PellaWI.com slash radio or 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. I hope Santa filled your stockings with all sorts of great stuff. For me... In a COVID Christmas year, the most difficult thing to do this Christmas, it wasn't finding gifts. It wasn't getting together with people. For me, the most difficult thing was on Christmas Eve trying to find a church service to go to. It is one of, you know, my my family's like traditions that we, we always go to church on Christmas Eve. And because of COVID, the church I regularly go to has closed down. They're not doing in-person uh, services until the end of January. So then we, we started the, the search of trying to find places, ended up um, ended up at another church in Whitefish Bay, as a matter of fact. And the weird thing was, so you, you had to make reservations. You had to sign up online. And so we picked the 6 o'clock Christmas Eve service, and we get there. And right before the service, um, I had never been to the church before, but one of the rectors comes out, turns out he's the assistant rector, and says, well... The principal pastor has just been diagnosed with COVID about three hours ago, so he's not going to be performing the service. So that's fine. They, they, they went ahead with the assistant rector and it was all, but it got really weird. And I admit that this was kind of weird, but it's what you have to do to adapt in the COVID world is when it came time for the sermon. I had just, I guess, assumed that the assistant pastor was going to do the sermon. Instead, there is a pause. And what they do is two ushers wheel out this giant, and I mean giant, I mean, I'd say it's 65-inch TV, probably bigger than that. They wheel out this giant TV, and they put it in front of the altar, and there they play the sermon that apparently the pastor, who had been diagnosed with COVID a couple hours earlier, but didn't feel it was asymptomatic, I guess, he, he had then recorded the, the sermon. So they play the pastor giving the sermon that he intended to give live, and then after it ends, they shut off the thing and they wheel the TV out. I'm thinking technology is just incredible. It's just an amazing sort of thing. So we were ultimately able to find that church service. Hope your plans were not too too terribly disrupted by COVID, but I understand um, if you're like me, it, it was a, a difficult thing because it seems like everybody you know is getting COVID. I will tell you, in the last three weeks, I think more people that I I know more people who have been diagnosed with COVID than I think I do in the last couple of years, and, and that's just a true story. Now, the good news is, in the case of everyone I know. People were vaccinated and in some cases vaccinated and boosted. So nobody that I know who has been diagnosed with COVID is what I'm going to call quote unquote sick. By that, I mean, you know, need to go to the hospital or stuff like that or even extremely uncomfortable. Matter of fact, I would say the majority of the people I know who've been diagnosed with COVID are what you would describe as asymptomatic, maybe just a little bit tired, maybe a runny nose, but nothing, nothing bad at all, which is. I think the real benefit of the vaccine. I think it's very clear that the for people out there who say, well, you, you see, there's no reason to get vaccinated because it, people are getting sick anyways after they've been vaccinated. Well, yes and no. It, it, it appears that this new variant gets more people sick. But at the same time, there's no question it doesn't get you anywhere near as sick. And that in of itself 
in and of itself, I think, would justify getting the vaccine and getting the booster if you can. But we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Okay, so Santa Claus comes. Sometimes people open up their packages on Christmas Eve. Sometimes they open them up on Christmas morning. Hopefully you got what you wanted. But it is entirely possible that you might have gotten something, well, that you didn't really want or that while the spirit, I mean, I understand it's the thought that counts. You look at it and you say, I don't know why Aunt Ellen thought that I was going to like that sweater. Or I don't know why Uncle Joe felt that I had any interest in that particular book or whatever. Chances are you probably have something under your tree that fits into that category. Now, for me, it, it didn't turn out that way because... The few people who give me gifts know, you know, you, you can't go wrong. You, g- give me, give me golf balls. And as long as you know the type of golf balls I, I play, no, no problem. Or, or give me Yeti cups. I, I love Yeti cups. Or my brother and I exchange Tommy Bahama like pullovers and stuff like that. Can't go wrong with doing stuff like that. But let's say you got that gift that just, for whatever reason, it isn't right. Maybe it doesn't fit, but maybe you just honestly don't like it. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you have any guilt in taking those gifts back? You get the gift that you don't like, and you know you're not going to wear it, and you appreciate the thought that came with it, but as soon as the gifts are wrapped, unwrapped, and as soon as everybody's gone home, you look at that and you say, look, I I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I know I'm never going to use that. And you know, I know they spent some money on this, so why don't I take it back and get what I want? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, my first job when I was in high school, I worked at, there used to be this, it was a JCPenney store, their, their kind of discount store, it was called Treasure Island, and it used to be on Brown Deer Road and, and Green Bay Avenue, up up in uh, Brown the Brown Deer area, and I can remember the biggest day of the year was not Christmas Eve, it was not the day after Thanksgiving, the biggest day of the year was Boxing Day, or in this case, the day after um, the first Monday after Christmas, because the store would be jammed with people who were bringing back gifts. And I used to work, I was a stock boy in the toy department and stuff like that back when we called them stock boys. And I can remember constantly having to run up to the front desk and take these various returns. Are you shy at all about taking stuff back that does not work? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the Icon Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Hey, interestingly, uh, the stock market has essentially been closed since last Thursday, closed for Christmas Eve and then, of course, Christmas Day and then Sunday. But despite, you know, some relentlessly bad news on the COVID front, despite all the travel problems COVID causing, um, I wasn't sure where the stock market was going to open up, but today's shaping up, at least thus far. It's been a good day on Wall Street. Dow Jones Industrials up 232 points, NASDAQ up 189, and that's... Um, that's uh, because the NASDAQ is smaller numerically, 189 points is a 1.2% increase. So that's a good bump. So investors, I think, continue to be bullish on the economy, obviously believing that spending is going to be okay, that inflation can be retained under control, and that we're going to get past COVID. I certainly hope they're right. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, so you got that gift under the tree. And you appreciate the fact that somebody gave it to you, no question about it. But you look at it and you know it's not right. It's not your color. 
it's not your style, it doesn't fit, or, or maybe just for that indescribable sort of thing, you just don't like it and you flat out know you're never going to use it. Right? Are, are you taking it back or are you afraid somehow that, gee, if Aunt Ellen found out that I took back the sweater she gave me or that I took back those plates or that I took back the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip, are you afraid that Aunt Ellen's going to be offended that you did that? 855-616-1620. Me, I, I mean, I, I, I appreciate it. I just say thank you to folks. But if I can't use it, one of my goals in life is to try to, to get rid of clutter. And the last thing I want to do is clutter up my closets that if you talk to my wife, she will already tell you are way too cluttered with stuff anyways. They're full of stuff that I like and she'd like me to get rid of a third of it. There's no way I'm putting something in there that I don't like and I know I'm not going to wear. So, no, it, it's going back. 855-616-1620. Jeff, those gifts you were talking about are the perfect gifts to keep, put in a closet, and then give away at a secret Santa or anonymous-type gift exchange. That way you don't have to feel bad about returning it and you don't have to spend money on people you might not be exactly thrilled about for the gift exchange down the road. Huh. I'm not sure. I guess I, you know, first of all, the problem with me is if I put stuff in a closet somewhere, I would forget about it. And then when I got ready to move out of the house, that that same stuff would be there. And I think, where the heck did this come from? Oh, yeah, that was from Ann Ellen 15 years ago at Christmas. No, I, I just, for me, storing it just is a non-starter because I'm afraid it's going to stay. Jeff, for about 15 years now, I don't buy, don't receive, and therefore never need to return anything. It is a beautiful thing. Well, I don't know so much. I mean, I, I enjoy, I, I admit, I, it's, I still enjoy the presents under the tree and stuff. And, you know, we had some very, very generous friends who gave us some nice things. And, you know, it doesn't mean necessarily mean that you have to spend a lot of money on the stuff. But, yeah, I, I like getting the Yeti cups. I like getting the golf balls. I like, like I say, my brother and I, we typically exchange Tommy Bahama pullovers. Um, friends of ours gave us an, an omelet thing, you know, a real fancy omelet pan and stuff. And my wife was cooking omelets the other day. So, you know, I, I like getting the gifts and I like people being thoughtful. It's just, you know, every once in a while, let's face it, you, you get you get what is to you a clunker. So you have to do something about it. And given the fact that people spent a bunch of money on this, um, you know, I it's just boom, it's 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 going back. No question about it. And I'm not going to feel too guilty for that. And chances are, if you are in. If you are in an in-person brick-and-mortar store today, you're going to see the huge crowds. And, yes, it might be some people who are trying to glom on to the, you know, the after-Christmas discounts that they have, like, here, go get the wrapping paper and things like that, stuff that you know you're going to need next year. Some of it's going to be that, but a good portion of it is going to be people – Bringing back that pink bunny suit, for example, that um, you know somebody gave their kid that you know they're just not going to wear. Welcome back. So very glad to have you spending the week between Christmas and New Year's with us. I'm here um, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I'm taking Thursday off and then, of course, Friday for New Year's Eve, which is a company-wide holiday. But I'll be here for the first couple days this week looking forward to it. Glad I wasn't trying to go anywhere over the holiday weekend. And this this was inevitable. Um, the, the airlines 
have really been struggling to keep up with customer demand over the last several months. I mean, essentially what happened is at the height of COVID, you had the airlines that pretty much just, if not shut down, dramatically scaled back their their services. And so they have been very, very susceptible. As demand has come back, I, I honestly think demand for travel has come back faster than the airlines anticipated and faster than they've been able to ramp up their their services. And so, of course, what happened earlier, about a month or two ago, is you had all these stories where you would have the the bad weather that would delay flights. And because the airlines were running kind of a bare-bones operation, didn't have extra flight crews, didn't have extra planes to plug in, once you had you know, bad weather in one part of the country that delayed a whole series of flights, it just created this chain effect that, that had people you know, delayed for two or three days. What happened over the last weekend is a little bit different. There was some weather issues, but that's not primarily it. What happened is as, as COVID and the variant rampages through the country, and again, as we talked about at the beginning of the program, the good news for this is, of course, that you know, if you're vaccinated and you have a booster, even if you get COVID, the odds the odds of you becoming ill, I mean, and by ill, I mean ill to the extent that you need to go to the hospital and things like that, are, are dramatically, and I mean dramatically reduced. But nevertheless, if you test positive for COVID, you know, your employer is not going to let you come to work. And so that's the deal. And apparently what's happened is just like all industries have been devastated by people getting diagnoses of COVID, um, that, that's starting to happen to the airlines as well. You have pilots who've been diagnosed with this. You've got members of flight crews that are diagnosed with this. And because the airlines are still running, um, I don't want to say bare bones operations, but they're still understaffed compared to perhaps where they were two years ago as they try to ramp up and everybody's looking for help nowadays and they suffer those problems as well. So what ends up happening is if you get 15%, 15%, pick a number, 15% of your pilots or members of your flight crew that, that call in sick because they're quarantining because either they've been diagnosed with COVID or they've been in close contact with a family member that has COVID or whatever. You know, you, you don't have the pilots, you don't have the flight crews to staff the flights, so you have to cancel the flights, which um, I know a lot of people, it, it hit It hit particularly hard in Atlanta, which is, of course, the hub for Delta. It hit hard in LAX. It hit hard in New York, and I understand it's frustrating. You know, you're trying to go over the river and through the woods to get the grandmother's house. You show up at the airport, and all of a sudden the flight has been canceled, but that's just kind of the reality as Omicron, um, or Omicron scrambles, you know, air travel, and I think I think I think that's going to be the reality for the next couple months. I think the system is going to be very, very vulnerable. And so, as our traffic reporter, Debbie Lazica, says, a lot of times when you're out on the freeways and there's slow traffic or whatever, you've got to pack your patience. I think the reality is until we get through this latest wave, whenever that's going to be, if you're planning any sort of air travel, the reality is you better pack your patience as well because I think the airlines – just right now don't have the backup personnel to plug people in if all of a sudden you have a lot of their pilots or you have a lot of the flight attendants or the ground crew or whatever. People call in sick because they're doing the responsible thing, not showing up at work if they've tested positive for COVID. That means those planes might not be able to fly. So that's just kind of the reality. And I think it's going to be the the COVID world that we're going to be living in, at least for, for the foreseeable future. Again, the good news about all this is that 
for the vast majority of people who made the decision to get vaccinated and or boosted, you're you're not going to be really sick. You're not going to be in the hospital. I understand it's, it's possible that that happens, but that's certainly statistically not the likeliest case. If you listen to all the reports, they'll tell you the vast majority of the people who are in the hospital right now are the folks who are unvaccinated, unless, of course, you fall into one of those particularly vulnerable categories. And even then, your chances of coming through this unscathed are a lot greater if you have been vaccinated and or boosted. All right, Anthony Fauci, who has never met a television camera that he does not like. And I've said this before. I know people, a lot of people are very, very critical of him, and a lot of people think he walks on water. To to me, I I have a much more nuanced view of Fauci. I do think he'd be, he'd do himself and he'd do the health community a favor if he wasn't so overexposed, if he didn't feel the need to say yes to every newspaper interview and every TV interview and every radio interview that asked, because inevitably what's happened over the last couple of years is he says stuff that's contradictory, the stuff he said two days earlier, or he's got to walk back things because he says something, and then the administration, whether it's the Trump administration or the Biden administration, you know, has a hair on fire moment, like, for example, a few weeks ago when Fauci intimated that you shouldn't get together at Christmas time. And then I think he clearly got called on the carpet by the Biden administration and he backed off that. But I I don't think he's a bad guy necessarily. I just think he's overexposed and he says stuff that he ends up having to walk back. And that contributes in some part to some of the mixed messages that we get with regard to health that I think has been a hindrance over the course of the last couple years, where you have the World Health Organization that says something and the Trump or the Biden administration says something else and the CDC that says something else. And and people are, are just frustrated, like, okay, well, what's what what is really going on here? So in any event, um, Anthony Fauci today made an appearance on uh, uh, yesterday was on Good Morning. Yesterday he was on um, some of the talking head shows, Meet the Press. Today he was on MSNBC and Good Morning America. And he was asked about air travel. Now, one of, first thing he said was that he cannot imagine when the mask requirement is going to be lifted. You will recall a couple weeks ago, the CEOs from Southwest, and I believe it was Delta, could be wrong, but they said, look, we, we, we would encourage you to lift these mask requirements because, you know, there's, because of the circulated air and the purification systems we have, we, you, you don't need this. Um, and we, we think it's, it's unnecessary. Well, okay, Fauci said, no, no, I, I don't, I don't believe in that. I can't imagine a circumstance under which that that mask rule should be lifted. And he sort of, I don't know if he intended it, but his remarks were very, very open-ended, suggesting that this might be the new normal for ever. <laughs> now, I, I, hopefully it, it isn't that. But okay, I don't want to talk about the mask rules on planes. I want to talk about the other thing that he jumped into. The way it stands right now is while you have to wear a mask when you are on an airplane, you do not have to be vaccinated. And there have been some people who say, look, for domestic travel, you you have to be vaccinated if you're going to fly internationally. But for domestic travel, if you want to get on a plane today and get out of the cold weather that's coming next weekend and fly to Phoenix, you, you don't have to be vaccinated. You don't have to show proof of vaccination. There are some people in the quote unquote health community who say you should change that rule. If if people are going to get on airplanes, they should have to be vaccinated so far. Joe Biden, 
my opinion to his credit, he's resisted that. His comments have generally been, look, I, I don't, we're, we're not at that point now. Well, this morning, Anthony Fauci appears on MSNBC and he comes out in favor of domestic vaccination for domestic air travel. Now, it's interesting because he doesn't appear to argue that people who are unvaccinated, wearing masks or getting on these planes and somehow infecting other people. Right, that, that's not the argument he's making, that a flight on a plane is like a super spreader event, because we've had people flying for the last two and a half years before vaccinations and after vaccinations. And you don't hear any stories about, gee, I was on a plane and somebody on that plane had covid and now, you know, 200 passengers have covid. You don't hear any stories suggesting that, you know, the the, the vaccinations or non vaccinated have led to a, a super spreader event. But here's what Fauci says. He says a vaccine requirement for a person getting on the plane is just another level of getting people to have a mechanism that would spur them to get vaccinated. Namely, you can't get on a plane unless you're vaccinated, which is just another one of the ways of getting requirements that might be. So let me translate this. What what the nation's top health advisor is saying is that he's not arguing that if you fly on a plane without being vaccinated, you are more likely to get COVID on that plane or to give it to somebody. He's saying, I think people need to be vaccinated. And a way we can force them into being vaccinated is to not let them fly on planes domestically unless they are. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess here's how I look at this. If there was evidence suggesting that people who fly on planes who are unvaccinated are likely to give COVID to other people who are wearing masks who are vaccinated on the plane or to other unvaccinated people wearing masks who are on the plane. If there was evidence that suggested that airplane travel was a, a super spreader event, well, then from a health perspective, I, I think you can have that that argument. Gee, if, if we have people getting on planes that are unvaccinated, they are likely to spread it to other people and they are a risk to folks on the plane. But if the numbers don't support that, this is, it seems to me, just a way of taking something which is not directly related to health and putting a restriction on to force people to get vaccinated. You know, you want to fly on the plane fine, you're going to have to get vaccinated, even though you're not a risk to the other people that are on the plane, but we want to force you to get vaccinated. So in order to let you do something that you need to do as a part of life, you got to get vaccinated. 855-616-1620. All right. With that being said, should we require people to get vaccinated as a condition of flying on the plane? Or as with shutdowns of things and things of the like, should the rule have to be tied into, I don't know, something that makes a material difference in stopping the spread of COVID in that particular location? I mean, for example, if you've got mask rules that say, okay, if you're in a restaurant, you got to wear masks because we have numbers that so show that this is where it's spreading. Okay, then the mask rule makes sense. But if they don't have numbers saying, 
unvaccinated people traveling on planes are giving it or getting it to other people on the plane flight. If there's not documentation to support it, should the government require it? 855-616-1620. We discuss. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, the interesting thing about the way I interpret what Anthony Fauci is saying today is he's not saying... An unvaccinated person on an airplane wearing masks with the circulated air and the cleaned air poses a risk to anyone on the plane. He's saying we want people to get vaccinated. So if we deprive them of the right to travel, they can't fly domestically. That will force them to get vaccinated which is an interesting distinction because, it's again, it's not saying this relates to the health and safety of the people on the plane. It's just this is our way of forcing somebody who's unvaccinated to get vaccinated. Should the government be in that business? 855-616-1620. And if that's the case, why are we fooling around? Why don't we just come out and say, we're going to pass a law that says everybody has to get vaccinated and and we're going to have the authorities go door to door and stick needles in people's arms. I mean, if that's if that's really the case and the argument is, OK, air travel really doesn't have any vaccinations on air travel really doesn't have anything to do with public safety on that airplane. Again, why, why, why don't we just, just say, OK, everybody's got to get vaccinated? And this, again, comes from the perspective of somebody who is vaccinated and boosted. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with David and Mequon. David, you're first. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, Happy New Year to you and your uh, your guests. Thank you. Um, Same to you. Sir. What do you think? Uh, I Yes. Yes, um, I wanted to say really quickly, I agree with you. If there's no evidence showing that there's been any super spreader events, um, you know, they have the cabin filters where they're supposedly changing it all the time. They're removing uh, whatever's in the air. Um, you know, I don't see personally in, enforcing it. What are, you, what are you really trying to achieve here? Well, you're trying to force um, people. No, and he's very clear about it. You're trying to force people to get vaccinated in order to be able yes. to fly, even though being unvaccinated and flying doesn't directly contribute to, you know, the spread of COVID, or at least they're not showing evidence of right. that. Yeah. And, and, and what I told their call screener is this. So if you've been following, like, cruise ships, they everybody is vaccinated and they have to sh- show they got the booster shot and yet they're the omicron is spreading all over on these cruise ships and in the uss milwaukee which is a navy uh, uh battleship they're actually tied up in uh guantanamo bay in cuba right now because they have a omicron outbreak with all the the, yeah. the, the people that are on that uh, ship even though they're fully vaccinated got the booster they all have it yeah. pretty much and so here you have evidence with that, with this, but with the airplane, because you're not in the airplane for so long, you're not on the airplane for too long, I, I think is the other contributing factor. And so either way, is, yeah. What's, yeah. what's the purpose of forcing the people to do this when... Well, the per- I mean, no, th- thanks for calling there. I mean, again, the, the purpose is... And look, and I'm I'm not anti-vax. I always get these texts. Don't you realize I, I've got my vaccinations? I've, I've got my boosters. I, I encourage people to do this. But at the same time, if the government is going to come around and mandate stuff, doesn't there have to be some connection to what the government is doing 
versus, you know, what the rule requirement is. That This was my beef when we had shutdowns two years ago. It was just kind of this knee-jerk reaction that we're going to shut down these businesses. Uh, the, the small-town jewelry stores got to close down, but we're going to let people, you know, go, go buy jewelry at Walmart, for goodness sakes. It was the picking winners and losers without any rational sort of basis for why you're putting the rule in. And, and this, to me, is the latest thing. I think people should get vaccinated. I, I would encourage that. But but this is this is very, very clearly it's not related directly to health. It is an indirect way of forcing people to get vaccinated, but without because you say, OK, you, you, you want to travel again. If you've got evidence that shows me that people getting off airplanes with the masks and all this stuff over the last two years and you have two years uh, of data potentially there, if you can say, all right, look, we're able to translate. You know, we, we have 200 people that got off this flight from L.A. to New York. And, you know, a day later, we, we had a huge number of those people that all ended up with COVID. If you were able to show evidence like that, I, I understand it. Well, then because it's related, it's causally related to the rule you're putting in. But this and I think Dr. Fauci is very clear about this. It's not an argument that people who are unvaccinated pose risks when they are on that airplane. It's just we want to figure out a way the government can force them to get vaccinated. Um, Here's a text, Jeff. Isn't the COVID vaccinations and boosters the best path forward to get past the pandemic? All the doctors, nurses, and medical professionals that have been talked to recently have stated this. I don't disagree with that. I, I, I don't disagree with that, but that's different than the government forcing people who, for whatever reason, have decided not to get vaccinated. And I think that's a bad decision. But people who've made that decision not to get vaccinated, this is about the government finding a way to force them to get vaccinated that might not be causally related to, you know, what, you know, to air travel itself. 855-616-1620. Dave in Oak Creek. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, what do you think? As far as I'm concerned, air travel is a super spreader event in itself. Not just because of the airplane and its glorified uh, cabin uh, filters, but the moment you get out of your Uber or whatever and enter that airport, you are in close proximity for prolonged periods of time, going through TSA and everything else where you don't have that filtration. And you're right next to people. And the proof is, look at every time one of these variants emerges. It spreads like wildfire. And it isn't because people are walking from New York City to California. It's because they're flying. Well, Dave, if so that was true, you no, know, if that was true, though, okay, okay. We, we've had, you know, we, we, we've been living with the pandemic since what, March of 2020. So we're going on on two years. Some, if, of, what, us, some if, of us have been living with it. Others have been dying. Okay, okay well, let me, let me if, if what you say is correct, that air travel is a super spreader event. Wouldn't you think we would have then evidence that proves your point instead of just your supposition? Wouldn't we be able to say, what and what is your evidence? I do. The evidence, the evidence is how fast it spreads. It spreads at a rate that could only be spread by people flying from one place to another. No, no, thanks. I'm Dave. I, I, you're making it up. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're just, you're, you're just flat making making that stuff up. COVID spreads very, very quickly, there, especially this new variant. But the idea that it can only be coming from, you know, people get when I say evidence, I mean, you should be able through contract con- contact tracing. If this is, in fact, the case 
because we've been flying without the vaccinations for two years. You should be able to say, gee, look at the people getting off this plane or look at the people getting off that plane. And all of a sudden you had, you know, 80 percent of all the people on these planes that ended up coming down with COVID. If you had objective evidence like that, then you could causally relate it as opposed to just this. Well, it it must be coming from planes. Uh, Fauci doesn't argue that. The Biden administration doesn't argue that. And you know very well the health experts at the Biden administration, if they thought there was a causal link between air travel and the direct spread of COVID, you know that, that those numbers would be there. We'd hear this stuff from the CDC. We'd hear the stuff from, you know, the, the health folks. It, even when Fauci proposes this, he's not arguing that people on planes who are unvaccinated are likely to get it on the planes. He He's very clear, and I, I give him credit for this. He's just saying, look, this is another way, this would be another lever that we would have to force people to end up getting vaccinated, even even though it's not directly causally related to where they get it. And to me, I think that's the difference of that. Jeff, it's things like this that are making a lot of people skeptical about COVID. Is the government completely honest on all of this? It seems that they are changing their minds and flipping back and forth on a lot of things. Well, that's again, that's the situation where where the Biden administration is right now. The Biden administration is saying that they've been saying all along that they're not there yet. They are not convinced that there's a link to this and to Joe Biden's credit and you know, mark the tape on that to his credit. He's saying, look, before I'm going to impose a rule like this, I want to be convinced that it's just not going to be leveraged to force people to get vaccinated, which Joe Biden and I both agree would be a good thing. It's going to be I, I want to make sure there's a lever that it makes some sort of sense. I mean, otherwise, should we say that you need to be vaccinated to go to a grocery store or you need to be vaccinated to, I don't know, drive into a parking lot or you need to be vaccinated that the government requires you to be vaccinated to go to Lambeau Field in a football game or to go to a Bucks game? Now, I know and I understand that there's some venues who have made that decision. And that's fine if the airline, if Delta Airlines or Southwest or American or United want to come out and say, here's the deal, we are going to require you to be vaccinated to fly. I think they have every right to do that. And maybe maybe if they did something like that, it would cause a spike in their business because people would say, I'll be safer on the airplanes. Maybe it would hurt their business. But this is different. This is the government requiring that. And anyhow, that anyhow, event, that's that's Fauci's statement for the day. And let me kind of summarize this because I see the tone of texts I get. I understand. I think people should get vaccinated. I think people should get the booster shots. But if the government, I believe, is going to require people to do that, There should at least be some relation between the activity that they are trying to link to the need to get the booster and COVID. And so far, I don't think they have any objective evidence that suggests that. And Fauci, Dr. Fauci, doesn't seem to suggest that either. He's just saying if we do this, it might give us some more leverage to force people to get vaccinated. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. By the way, I understand people are frustrated with talking about COVID, but it, it is and it has been for the last two years that this dominant story that is affecting all aspects of our life. And I understand that there's 
two groups of people out there. There's some that say, look, everybody should be vaccinated, everybody should be boosted, and if people who don't want to do that, well, the government should round them all up and stand them in lines and make them get vaccinated. I'm sorry, I just, I don't subscribe to that. And this is from the perspective of somebody who does believe that everybody, unless you've got uh, a medical reason, and I'm talking about a real medical reason, I, I think you should get a vaccination. I think you should get a booster when you're eligible for that. But I, I just, I, the idea of the government going door to door and grabbing people, and that's what people really believe should happen, and, and giving people vaccinations, I don't think that's the role of of the government. I, I just don't. And then you've got the flip side to people on the other side who, you know, and I get these texts, oh, you know, gov- the government trying to force me to get vaccination. That's like Hitler's Germany and stuff like that. And it's 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 not. References to Hitler are always bad. But there, there is this kind of divide. There was an interesting story in the New York Times over the weekend about how and it, it tied into something I've been saying for the last couple months. I, I think pretty much people are dug in. I, I don't know which is one of the reasons why I think we're going to have to figure out how we're going to live with COVID because I think people, I think people are pretty much, like I say, dug in that they're, they've sort of made up their mind on whether they're going to get vaccinated or not. And maybe you can tinker around the edges a little bit and maybe you can persuade a certain percentage of people. But if 62% of the people or whatever it is across the country have been fully vaccinated, I, I don't, I don't see that all of a sudden that other 38% are suddenly going to wake up one morning and say, we're, we're going to do it, even though you, you wish they, they could. But does that mean that the government then goes door to door and starts injecting people? And I don't think you can do that either. As I started off the program, though, I, I and I, I say this sincerely, I think in the last, I'm going to say month, more people that I know have come down with COVID than maybe total over the the last, you know, 22 months. I mean, it, it's really been remarkable. And it seems like, you know, every time, because my wife keeps in touch with our friends better than I do, she'll call me and say, she'll say, okay, so-and-so's got COVID or so-and-so's got COVID or so-and-so's got COVID. And, and it's just, it's amazing. And in the vast majority, if not you know, one exception, with, with one exception, Everybody know that it's got COVID ha- has been vaccinated and in many cases ha- has received boosters. So, and these aren't people who have been like, like engaging in irresponsible behavior. These are people who all different age groups who I know took COVID very, very seriously and yet they, they still got it. I firmly believe, by the way, that as this is the Omicron variant makes its way across the country, I, I, I first of all, I believe a lot more people probably have had it than than know that they've had it because they say up to 40 percent of the people can be asymptomatic, particularly if you've been vaccinated and have your boosters. So it may be that you, you had it and you just never even knew that, that you had it. So you might have had it already. But given the way, and it's also this idea of, like, we use the term breakthrough cases, I, I think that that's, that term is going to vanish because I, I think it's very apparent that more and more of those cases are going to be with people who have, in fact, been vaccinated. Now, again, the argument to get vaccinated, and it's a really good argument, is that even if you get this latest variant, your chances of being seriously ill are dramatically, dramatically, dramatically reduced. And that in and of itself, you know, I think, you know, justifies, you know, getting yourself vaccinated and getting boosted. But again, I think back on, on all these people I know, all different age groups, by the way, ranging from teenagers to people in their 80s and everywhere in between who've come down with COVID. There was an interesting and, and it's, 
when I when I've talked to a couple, at least a couple of the people, there, there's a couple of things that are going on, including in a couple cases, people have apologized. Gee, I'm, I'm really I'm I'm sorry. I, I got sick. It, and there was a story in the Washington Post about this. The headline is thousands who followed the rules are about to get covid. They shouldn't be ashamed. Here, let me read you the first couple paragraphs. For two years now, Aline, a 30-something graduate student in Ohio, has diligently, desperately even, protected herself against the coronavirus. Vaccinated and boosted, she took a test last week ahead of holiday travel to Atlanta. She was stunned when it came back positive. Aline, who requested to be identified by her first name only for privacy reasons, is still puzzling over how she got the virus. Was it because she wore a cloth mask rather than a medical grade one? And she worries that the cough she has could now worsen because she has diabetes. That's not the most painful part of the ordeal, though. Quote, I feel very embarrassed and dumb, she says, and she's upset that she's causing her family stress. It's eye-opening that I feel so much shame from it. And I'm realizing how much judgment I was secretly harboring against people who got it before. And then it goes on to say, Aileen is part of a rapid uptick in cases in the U.S., uh, new daily break records, breakthrough cases becoming more normal and less of an exception. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention warns these cases are now likely to occur. For many people, Washington Post writes, who test positive during this latest surge, the virus is spoking yet another is sparking yet another unpleasant feeling in an ordeal that has churned out plenty. That feeling, shame. Okay, eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I I fully admit, I I don't get this, but it, it might be a real thing. Should people who get COVID, all those folks that I know that I've I've talked about, again ranging from teenagers to people in their eighties, who, in my opinion, did the right thing. You know, they got vaccinated. They got boosted. They, in many cases, I know they, they wore masks. They took it seriously. And nevertheless, they got it. Should they feel guilty? Should there be shame at all? 855-616-1620. My answer is, is I hope not. And, and I hope people aren't judging with that. Um, typically, in, in general, we, we don't judge when people get illnesses. But in this particular case, it is COVID differently. And if my guess is you probably know people over the last few weeks who have come down with COVID, maybe you yourself have been diagnosed with COVID. All right, should you feel any sort of guilt about it at all? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and my answer is, I hope not. What do you think? We discuss. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I really believe, as you, I, I think... You know, for the initial round of of the virus, the original original, especially when we developed a vaccine, the idea was you get vaccinated and it's going to, in all likelihood, prevent you from getting it. And that's the way it was sold. And I think that's probably true. You now have this variant that's out there that. I think they're starting to change the, the thinking. As a matter of fact, the CDC says, you know, it's quite likely that the these this with this new variant, we're not even going to look at va- breakthrough cases anymore. The likelihood's going to be that lots and lots of people who are unvaccinated are, are going to get it, but also people who are vaccinated and boosted are going to get it. But the key is, again, if you're vaccinated and you're boosted, the chances are you're not going to get really, really sick. 
no guarantee, but that's the chances, which to me makes it worthwhile not to take that risk. But if you get somebody that has come down with it, and my guess is you've probably, you probably know somebody, maybe that's you over the course of the last month or so. All right. Should, should you feel guilty? Should you be ashamed of the fact that you do it? When you get that phone call saying, Oh, you know, cousin so and so or my buddy Bill or whatever just come down with COVID, should, should, he feel guilty should you say oh my gosh how did that happen or is this just kind of where we are right now with it and should the question be are they sick is there anything we can do 855-616-1620 to me the reaction is gee are, are how do they feel are is this a situation where we might have to worry about they're going to be in the hospital or is it okay they're a little bit tired they've got a quarantine it's a little bit of a nuisance but should they feel guilty? And my answer would be, I hope not. Mary in Kenosha. Mary, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Mary. Hi. Um, yeah, actually, I was just telling. Hi. How are you? Good. I was telling my uh, son the same thing. 29-year-old, had COVID when the COVID came around, and he was pretty sick the first time around. Then he had vaccinations. He's got the COVID again. Right now, we didn't get to do Christmas together, so he's still in quarantine. But... Um, you know, we had that conversation in regards to were you exposed to some of your friends and telling them, and he said, you know, Mom, everybody's it's going to go around this time, yeah. and he's not as sick the second time around. Yeah. Didn't lose sense of smell, taste, anything like that. So right. it's this time around, and I believe it's because he was vaccinated sure. that obviously we can get vaccinated and you can still catch it. Yeah, well, exactly, and he shouldn't feel guilty or like a bad person or be ashamed he that he caught it. Right, well, good. No, thank, thanks. I guess, that, I mean, I, I, I started off, okay, I started off the conversation. Like I say, the church I go to has is closed through January because of this latest variant. And as a matter of fact, I talked to the minister, and he made the decision because a lot of members of the congregation are older. He said, look, I just, I, I don't want to take the chance that somebody is going to pick this up and it turns out that they got it at church. So I, I just, I don't want to do that. So Christmas Eve, I told the story at the start of the show, we, we find another church to go to and we go in there and they come out right before the service and they announce that the principal rector ha- has just tested positive for COVID a couple hours earlier. So the service is going to be conducted by the assistant rector. I I, I have no doubt that their pastor, you know, was vaccinated, probably had a booster. Matter of fact, they, they said he was. It just, it was one of these, you know, breakthrough cases that was there. He shouldn't feel guilty. He shouldn't be ashamed. Everybody should be hoping that the guy gets over it, which is just, you know, like all of us, it's good. Hope, hope you have minimized the consequences of this. But shame is a weird feeling to have in something, you know, like this. Um, Jeff, all this needs to stop. No one should feel guilty if they're vaccinated or unvaccinated. No one should throw shade at anyone if they get COVID. I have seen this topic ruin relationships with family. I think everyone just needs to stop. Um, I think we need to stop the intending, the insanity. What is the end game in all of this? Well, I actually, I want to be a little Susie Mary Sunshine here to an extent. I think we're nearing the end game. I'm not saying that we're, we're there yet, but I think ultimately... What is going to happen is you you have like a variant like Omicron that is spreading like wildfire. I think you are going to get to a point where a a large percentage of the population has had it, has been exposed to it, and therefore is, is going to be, you know, have some of that natural immunity. And, and I think, you know, I think we're getting to a point, hopefully, hopefully this will be the year 
where you know you get to enough people that have it, then it, then it becomes what they say is endemic, which means it becomes like the flu. COVID isn't the flu now. I get that. But it becomes like the flu where it reemerges seasonally. You deal with it, but it doesn't overwhelm the hospital systems, which is what the underlying problem is now, that a portion of the people who get it, largely those who are unvaccinated, get it and they end up in the hospitals and you have this overwhelming surge. Most of the people who are vaccinated and are getting COVID in these breakthrough cases, they're, they're just mildly uncomfortable not all i get it but they're mildly uncomfortable you know they're going to come out of quarantine in 10 days and they're going to be fine so i think that's where the ultimate answer comes but i i don't think you know you use shame on this whole situation if you get covid and i'm thinking like i say of all the people i know in my life who over the last month have come down with it none of them should be ashamed of that matter of fact i'm glad in all the cases i can think of so far nobody's had any significant adverse reaction and i think our response needs to be instead of tisk tisk how could you get covid it more needs to be what can we do for you are you feeling better when when are you going to come back into society I always wonder what it is about politicians that when, when they wake up and they go into the bathroom in the morning and they look in the mirror, they, they always, it, it, it's something to do with the political ego. They, they always look at their reflection in the mirror and they see somebody who's subscri- subscribing to, to higher office. You know, every senator, U.S. senator that goes into the bathroom, looks in the mirror and they see the president looking back at him. Congressmen look in the mirror and they see the senator looking back at him. Locally, state senator Lena Taylor, she must be one of those types who walk in and and whenever she looks in the mirror, she must see somebody that 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 occupies a higher office. Now, Lena Taylor, who is very, very controversial, she's been um, the subject of all sorts of issues. And by the way, on a personal level, I like Lena Taylor. When we used to do um, TV, I, I always thought that the Lena Taylor in person was a lot more considered and a lot smarter than the character I think she sometimes she plays in, in public. But Lena Taylor in the past has, she, let's see, she ran unsuccessfully for Milwaukee County Executive against Scott Walker, got slaughtered. She ran for mayor against Tom Barrett, got slaughtered. And earlier this year, she announced that she was going to run for lieutenant governor because Mandela Barnes, the current lieutenant governor, he's vacating that spot. He's running for U.S. senator. So Lena Taylor was going to run for lieutenant governor. Apparently, she decided that wasn't a good enough gig because a couple days ago, first of all, she announced that she was halting, suspending her campaign for lieutenant governor. And when I first saw that story, I thought, okay, well, maybe she's realizing that she had really no chance to win the, the opportunity for lieutenant governor. So she, it's like, why, why proceed this? You know, why chase chase this down? You're Don Quixote chasing uh, the windmills. Well, okay, now, now there's another shoe that's dropped. We now know the reason she decided that she wasn't going to run for lieutenant governor is she's announced that she's getting into the Milwaukee mayoral race. Now, I don't know what the question is, but the answer to all these is, if the question is, does Lena Taylor have any chance to be the next mayor of Milwaukee? The answer is absolutely not. It's just, it, it's just not. There, there's absolutely no way, objectively, at least it seems to me, that she has any chance to win the, the election. She's running against, well, you've got Cavalier Johnson, you've got Ernell Lucas, you've got, you know, other political figures that are running in there, in there as well. You know, my guess is she'd be, she's going to be lucky to run 
He's going to be lucky to run four in a field of five or more, and that's be lucky. But she apparently is looking in the mirror, and unlike when she got drubbed by Tom Barrett, she apparently thinks that this is her opportunity. Because the election is going to be next spring, it's a freebie, so she doesn't have to give up her state Senate seat. But still, running for office is tough. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into it. you got to raise money. you got to go out to all these events. you got to shake a lot of hands. Um, Lena Taylor decides that she is the answer for Milwaukee's problems. My guess is that Milwaukee voters aren't going to be any more disposed to her this time than when she ran against Tom Barrett and lost or when she ran against Scott Walker for county executive and lost. Could be wrong, but I wouldn't hold my breath on any sort of other outcome. Twenty twenty was a huge year in the news business because first of all you, you had it was an election year secondly Donald Trump was running for re-election and Trump had been for his entire term a, a, an absolute lightning rod and whether it was newspapers or television people apparently could not get enough of politics and they couldn't get enough of of the Trump phenomena. Now, that, that cut both ways. There were some people who absolutely loved President Trump who couldn't get enough of him. Oh, the, and, you know, took the, the attitude that the media is out to get him. And so they flocked to some of the conservative news outlets that rebutted that premise. Then there was the more mainstream media outlets who kind of decided that Trump was the Antichrist and we're going to run every negative story we can about Trump. And viewers flocked to that and and readers as well well okay that has changed now um cable news networks of course were the main form of of evening entertainment for millions of americans last year who were just glued to what's the latest development um in 2021 however okay this year weekday primetime viewership is down 38 percent at cnn 34% at Fox News and 25% at MSNBC, according to Nielsen. So, I mean, a a huge chunk of the the news audience for cable news has gone away. I mean, CNN's ratings dropping almost 40%, Fox News dropping almost 35%, MSNBC, which which didn't have the highest ratings in the first place, they're down by 25%. Those, Those numbers are significant. And it's not just on cable news. Um, ABC's World News Tonight, which is the number one program on the, the mainstream networks, broadcast networks. ABC's World News Tonight, that's down 12%. CBS Evening News, um, down 14%. NBC's Nightly News, down 14%. During the Trump era, explosive survive, um, subscriber growth for some digital news sites because I mean, like I've, I've talked about before, the New York Times and the Washington Post essentially became house outlets and organs for the anti-Trump forces because they realized that that, you know, generated clicks and sold subscriptions. And so if you looked at the New York Times, even today, but certainly during 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 90%, nine out of every 10 stories about Trump had a negative spin on them. I mean, it was kind of funny because it could have been a deal that Trump gives $2,000 to every person out of his personal funds. And the New York Times would have said, well, he's given $2,000, but, you know, he's giving it in $100 bills. So you have to go to the bank and you have to change it. That That's the way those stories were. Well, again, now what they're finding is with Trump gone, 
2021 has been different. Um, the number of unique visitors to the Washington Post down 44% this November compared to November of 2020. Now, November of 2020 was, of course, the elections. Um, the number of unique subscribers November of last year compared to November of two years ago, November this year compared to November of 2020, down 34% at the New York Times. These these are huge statistical drops. Our number is 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My question is this. what What is, what is going on? And I, I guess I think... I think people are just burned out on on the hard news. I think people are burned out on politics. I think people are burned out on on the COVID stuff. I think people are just kind of resigned and frustrated and depressed and kind of like at their wits end over a number of the things that, that are going on. And I think one of the things then that they're doing is they're looking for other forms of, of entertainment other than coming home from after work and deciding, okay, I'm, I'm going to run to Fox News or I'm going to run to CNN or I'm going to run to MSNBC and then I'm going to log into the New York Times and I'm going to see what anti-Trump stories they have out there. I think between COVID and the intensity of politics in 2020, I, I think we're at a stage now where, where people, they, they just, they want something else. And, and yeah, you got to talk about COVID, and yes, you got to talk about some aspects of politics. But I think, in large measure, lots of people are are just. I, I think they're just kind of burned out. Now, you know, interestingly, when it comes to doing what I do for a living, uh, we we did really, really great this year. I mean, I and I don't know exactly, you know, what that is. Maybe it's a mix of stuff or whatever. But we did really great. But at the same time, I'm I'm also. I think when you look at the, these hard numbers among nighttime entertainment and the, the newspapers and stuff, I think a lot of people are just burned out. So does that describe you? Have you kind of, with the current event stuff, whether it's COVID or whether it's all the political infighting and stuff, are you looking for something else right now? 855-616-1620. And if not, what explains th- this huge drop off? Because I'm, I'm here to tell you, when you know, uh, when you get cable news channels that that are looking at those kind of numbers, 34 percent drop, 38 percent drop, 25 percent drop. Um, when you're looking at, you know, um, big newspaper websites like the New York Times and the Washington Post that are having unique visitors down 34 percent or 44 percent, that tells you that something is going on. What is it? And I just think people are somewhat burned out. 855-616-1620, we discuss. And by the way, I do, there's always sort of a pendulum effect. I, I've been doing this for a long time. And, I, and you know, you'll, you'll have, for example, an election season where people who are tuned in to the issues and politically aware and stuff, they're really tuned in. And then after the election, there's always kind of a fatigue factor. My guess is going into 2022, which is going to be another election year, I think you're going to see viewers 
subscribers, whatever, re- return to you know the, the cable news outlets and stuff as people start gearing up for the midterm elections that are going to be in 2022. And I certainly think that's going to be true in Wisconsin, where we're going to be a hotbed. I, there, there's no question about it. With uh, Senator Ron Johnson, who I believe is going to run for re-election, hasn't announced it yet, but I think he's going to run. You know, he'll be running for re-election. You'll have all the, you'll have the governor's race that's there as well. I mean, there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of interest and issues and things like that. And of course, nationally, where you've got both both houses of Congress in play, you, you know, there's going to be a lot of attention. So a lot of those political junkies and the news junkies are going to come back. I think that's natural. But still, these drop offs were were pretty darn extreme. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. What's um you know what's going on? Let's see. Uh, Jeff, I think it's all um, tiring. Something different would be nice, um, but careful what you wish for. From the sounds of it from the media, there's not too much good on the horizon. Well, I I do, you know, this is, I I only say this half tongue in cheek. If you want to look at the networks, my prediction is when the numbers come out from December as to, you know, what the highest rated cable TV networks are, Hallmark Channel is going to walk away with it. Lifetime's going to do well. All the people that these channels that are all offering the alternative viewpoints, you know, the the look, let's just let's be light. You watch that Hallmark movie and we've talked about this before. You watch the Hallmark movie and, and you, you don't have to worry. You know, it's not going to get canceled. You you know, the guy is going to get the girl or the girl is going to get the guy. You know, the hometown, you know, uh, coffee shop is going to be saved. You know, it's all going to turn out well. And I think, you know, part of the things that drives people to movies like that during the Christmas season or year-round is they want that feel-good thing. They want the escapism of not having to tune in and hear, okay, the latest spat between Nancy Pelosi and, you know, the Republicans or the the latest, you know, problem that, you know, Biden's policy is, you know, stuck in the mud or that we've got this disaster going on in Afghanistan or we've got these disasters going on at the border or, Oh, by the way, we've got a new COVID variant that appears to infect people, even if you've been vaccinated and boosted. Gianni in Montello, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yes, hello, Jeff. Uh, Merry Christmas to Merry you. Merry Christmas, sir. Hey, listen, I, I think we're, we're, we're in kind of and uh, the, the elections. I don't think there's really anything going on. I mean, COVID really hasn't exploded. Um, yes, you have you have Russian troops on the Ukrainian-Russian border, um, but nothing has happened in Taiwan. Um, Joe Biden continues to to push his spending bill. You know, I, I think we're just in in this limbo land right now, where there, people are focusing on their families. It's Christmas time; mm-hmm. Easter will be coming up. And um, I cut my cable uh, three months ago, and I haven't, you know, I haven't really. We don't watch much TV. And you don't miss Talk it. Radio, WPNJ. That's it. Huh? You know? Well, Johnny, thanks for the call. That, that's you know, we love to hear that. Um, but it, it is. It's always, as somebody who programs the show five days a week, you know, 52 weeks a year, or maybe a couple fewer than that when I'm on vacation, but you're always trying to figure out, you know, first of all, you want to do stuff that interests you, but secondly, you want to do stuff that hopefully interests the audience. Now, the audience is so large and broad. You know, there's there's some people who can't get enough of COVID, and there's other, every time you talk about COVID, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're going to discuss this again, and you have to try to, you know, figure out the, the balancings and, and how you move that along. I mean, I do think... A lot of it does come down to what I'm going to describe as Trump fatigue, because I think that there's I I think there's just a lot of people who love him or hate him who were exhausted 
by the, the, the four years of the Trump administration because it, it was always it was always something and there was the intensity of those feelings that were out there. It reminded me in some respects of what went on uh, during uh, President Bush's tenure, the second President Bush, George W. Because, you know, you had he, he was a polarizing force as well. And and after after 9-11, when you had, you know, the, the military incursions and things like that, it was just this incredible intensity. And then ultimately, I, I think that that candle burned so brightly that after the 2004 election, again, there was a drop off. People were so invested, whichever side you were on. And then once it was over, there was a drop off. I think you're seeing some of that now, the political thing. And also, I mean, I think people are there are some people I freely acknowledge because I hear from you who just, for example, can't get enough of COVID. I, I who track the numbers on a daily basis and, and who follow, okay, where are the hospitalizations and in what county are these different things? And they, they follow it that intensely. And there's other people who are just, I, I just don't want to hear any more about it. Let's talk to Kristen in Cedarburg. Hi, Kristen. You're on WTMJ. Hey, how are you? Good. What do you think? Well, you know, I think this is like a really bad fruitcake. That's how, that's how I picture the whole situation. It's because we all know now how to deal with COVID. Either you're going to get the shots, you're not, et cetera. We all know how to deal with our families. We all get, get the scope here. And I don't need to hear it 50 million times on TV. We just all need to move on, whether you're going to go back to work, not back to work, take care of your family, do what you're supposed to do, sanitize everything. And I just, it gets so exhausting, mm-hmm. and I really don't think it's healthy. It's like picking a scab. It's over and over and over. And, um, you know, it, it's to the point where I'm watching, like, bad reruns of Roseanne on TV because <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to hear. It's exhausting. No, I mean, I like your word. It's yeah. exhausting. Yeah, exhausting. People are, Carissa, thanks for, I mean, people are, are worn out. I, I understand that. Here's a text, Jeff. I deliver newspapers in Mequon. My New York Times count dropped 25% as soon as people found out that the New York Times was against Trump. I even gave out free samples and received a note saying I don't like to read lies. If you believe in Trump or not, he exposed the media swamp on what newspapers actually promoted for their dedicated readers. Well, I, I do think that that there was Again, an expose, and as somebody who gets the reads the New York Times on a daily basis and gets it delivered on weekends, I mean, there, there's just no question about it. They they knew what sold newspapers, and so as the so-called paper of record in this country, they started out and they said, "Okay, we're going to be the anti-Trump paper," and it, it generated a lot of support from the people that were against President Trump, who bought the New York Times because they wanted to read the columns about what atrocity President Trump had done on a particular day. And, and now that Trump is gone, they're they're struggling with with how you end up replacing it as. I think um, now, Jeff, um, I have given up on cable and local news years ago, get my information from WTMJ and things that interest me in the Internet. Other outlets um, stress me out. Jeff, it could be that Joe Biden is just boring, and so is Barack Obama to not have the excitement of the Republican candidates. Excitement wouldn't be the word I would use, but I mean, clearly, I mean, look, Donald Trump, again, love him or hate him. What was a chaos generator? I think he and I, I, he, he was proud of that. He he operated. I, I I just I can't imagine what it would have been like to be Reince Priebus or you know one of the other Trump chief staff because even before the election stuff and even before this January sixth, I mean you you'd map out 
you know, this is the week that we're going to talk about, I don't know, soybeans in Indiana. I don't know if they grow soybeans in Indiana, but that would be the strategy. And we're going to have all these talking heads, and we're going to talk about the president's initiatives and soybeans in Indiana. And that's we're going to do these rollouts of this new bill that we have in effect, and we're going to do the rollout at 10 o'clock Washington time on a Monday morning. And we've got all these talking heads that are going to call up all the media outlets and talk about soybeans in Indiana. And then you wake up, and at 4 o'clock in the morning, President Trump has awakened and gotten a wild hair up a certain part of his anatomy and sent out some tweet about something completely different than soybeans in Indiana and now all your planning is just completely you know gone it's like okay where where do we go from here so i think there's that um jeff i tape nbc nightly news face the nation and meet the press so i can skip over anything i already know about i watch the 10 p.m. news on channel 4 on most days that's it I think from that I get everything that I need to know. Jeff, could it be more people are listening to podcasts or tuning into YouTube for snippets of news? Well, I think that's I think that's certainly something because you've got, you know, the alternative stuff that's there. I'm I'm always amazed and gratified by the number of people who listen to this program on podcasts who we we get the numbers every month and it's you know, folks who, who like the program, thank you very much. I appreciate it quite a bit. But maybe they're they're not around from noon to three, or it's not convenient. So they they download the podcast and they listen to it. You know, in the evenings or in the mornings or or whatever. And I always know they're out there, not just from the numbers that we see every month, but also sometimes from the emails that I'll get because you get this email that comes in like at three o'clock in the morning, and it's waiting for me when I wake up, and it's talking about something that you know was discussed on the show maybe a week ago, and I'm thinking. Where did this come from? Oh, they're listening to the podcast and they wanted to react. So I think that that explains some of it, but I don't think it explains the drastic drops that you're seeing. But like I say, everything is is a pendulum. My guess is as we move back into the political season in 2022, you're going to see a lot of those subscribers or those unique users. And I think you're going to see a lot of the viewers start to come back, um, particularly in states like Wisconsin, where you're, you're going to have a lot of hot politics that are going to be going on. All right, a lot of fun stuff coming up in the next hour of the program. Well, some serious stuff, too. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Um, Alex, are you from around here? Yeah, I grew up in the Racine area. You grew up in the Racine yeah. area. So it, when you got into news, you had an advantage in Wisconsin, just like I had, is, is growing up around here. Yeah. Um, because... We know all the places, or at least, you know, we, we know the different places. So when you hear Oconomowoc, you know it's Oconomowoc, mm-hmm. not Oconomowoc or whatever, you know, <laughs> however you might say it, right? But yeah. that's an, that is an advantage. I, I've always felt sort of my heart's kind of gone out to broadcasters, TV or radio or whatever, who come <laughs> from out of state because there's always this, like, learning curve about, mm-hmm. huh, I'm on. I'm, I'm doing this, and and how exactly do you pronounce Maguanago? <laughs> or yeah. you know, is it Maguanago? Is it Maguanago? Mm-hmm. All those types of things. So you and I have not had. So we we were, and I'm I'm just kidding around because our. Our, our our guy who does a lot of the voice work is, is an incredibly talented guy and just really incredibly talented. But I was listening before the news because we were doing one of these advertisements for like Packers parties and mm-hmm. stuff and they were going through different bars. And there's this bar in Oak Creek and there's this 
bar in Milwaukee, Goolsby's in Milwaukee. And then there, there's one. He said, go to this place in Nashita. And I was thinking, Nashita, Nashita, Nashita. Nishota. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're going to have to tease our, our teammate a little bit that it's, it's Nishota. But I mean, I, under, I understand if you're not from around here and you see, you know, I, I oh, yeah. see it. It could be Nashita. I mean, I kind of get it. That's, yeah, I grew up in Racine and I, my, one of my first Wisconsin jobs was in the heart of Dodge County. And I had to relearn all of the areas around there, even like saying, you know, Teresa. It's not, you know, it's, right, it's right, not anything right. else. Right, Wyawaga. <laughs> There's so many, yeah. you know, I just, Wauwatosa. Now, it's just, it's, I mean, it's second nature to us, but mm-hmm. you, oh, wow, how do you pronounce that exactly? <laughs> so so that Packer party in that bar, it's at Neshota. It's in <laughs> Neshota. We will, we will, we will tease our colleague about that in a good-natured sort of way. But, yeah. it's, it, but it is always this challenge, and it's always kind of this I, I, I become sort of this resource because over the years, as we've brought news people in who have come from out of state, mm-hmm. it's always kind of like before the newscast, Jeff, O-C-O-N-O-M-O-W-O-C, how exactly do you pronounce it? Oconomowoc, yeah. you know? So, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you, one of the things that you find, I, I learned this early on, it's, for example, it's daylight saving time. It's mm-hmm. not daylight savings time. If you put the extra S, trust me, Alex, there will be all sorts of people who are just <laughs> waiting to point out the fact that you added that extra oh, S yeah. to it. So that's it. Neshota, we got it. Go to the Packers party in Neshota. We will... We will, <laughs> we'll kind of be there. All right, just I, I have to admit that you know we were talking in the the last segment of the program about why you know news outlets and stuff uh, are and the the cable TV channels and the over the air channels why why the numbers were down and stuff and and one of my theories is first of all it's that Trump is gone and Trump was a lightning rod love him or hate him the other thing is the fact that I, I think people are just kind of burned out on stuff and, and things like that and maybe I'm kind of guilty on that as well I, here is a text that came in over the break and I'm going to I'm going to read it and I'm not going to say anything more about except my response um Jeff, you are doing a great disservice to people by not supporting vaccinations. I think you need to tour an ICU unit and see people who are on ventilators who had COVID and did not get vaccinated. Okay, now normally I would just kind of ignore that, but for some reason it's just, you know, it just struck me. So my response was this. Why in the world do you think I'm not supporting vaccinations? Every time the subject comes up, I say repeatedly that I am vaccinated and have received a booster. I say repeatedly that vaccinations dramatically decrease the likelihood of becoming seriously ill. Now, I don't believe the government has the authority to line people up and force them to get vaccinated, but that is hardly not supporting vaccinations. People that hear only what they want to hear are extremely frustrating. Sheesh. That was my response. And it, it's sort of like, oh, you're not supporting vaccination. No, I I do support vaccinations. Get vaccinated. It makes it much less likely that you will end up in a hospital, which at the end of the day is very, very important. But if you are asking me, do I think the military has the right to come door to door, pull you out of your house and force you to become vaccinated against your will? My answer would be no. I don't think the government has that authority. That is not, however, being anti-vax. For goodness sakes. Okay. Um, 
Okay, here's a text. Jeff, glad you're talking about Nishota. The Madison TV stations don't bother to teach proper pronunciations to newbies. Yeah, I can imagine that you, um, you know, get that. Um, Jeff, I live and work in Nishota. Has the oldest and best restaurant in Wisconsin right here in Nishota. Yeah, but I mean, look, it's N-A-S-H-O-T-A-H. So I understand if you're not familiar with this, you could look at that and say Nashota, I guess, but it's Nishota. We know that. And my guess is after this segment... Our voice guy, Frank, is never going to forget that it's Neshota either. He does a really great job. Just kind of kidding around. All right. So over the the, the weekend, I had, I had Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and then yesterday. One of the things that, that I did was I, I used it as an opportunity to actually watch a couple movies, but I didn't go to the movies. Um, Thursday night, I think, uh, Fran and I, we watched the the new Lucille Ball, Desi Arnaz movie, and I forget what it's called, Being the Ricardo, something like that, um, that that's available in theaters. It stars Nicole um, Kidman and Javier Badim, and it's, it's, it's a week in the—it's uh, by Aaron Sorkin, who did The West Wing and stuff, and it's a week in the uh, production of the I Love Lucy show and, and all. So it, it's—we it, watched it, but we didn't go to a movie theater to watch it. We watched it. I'm on one of our big screen TVs because it's available on Amazon Prime, and and we have Amazon Prime. I think if it were not for Amazon Prime, we we would have probably gone to the theater and seen it. But, uh, you know, do I need to see it on a big screen? Not necessarily. I can see it from, you know, the comfort of my living room, and we make popcorn, and it's all set. So we watch that. And then on Friday during the day— this isn't Fran's kind of movie, but the new Matrix movie with, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves, the the reboot after like 20 years of the—it's been 20 years since the, the Matrix trilogy, you know, aired. Um, th- that movie dropped late last week as well. And so I, I sat down and I, and I watched the, the Matrix movie. Uh, that is also playing in, in movie theaters now. The numbers that it's doing— are, and if you ask me what I thought of The Matrix, I, I was a fan of the the original Matrix movie. I thought was just great. I thought the the other two in the trilogy kind of went progressively downhill. But I thought the original Matrix movie, the first one, was incredibly creative and wonderfully done. And like I say, I I, I don't I didn't I wasn't necessary. I was disappointed in the other two. But I don't know where you go after making that that great first movie. And so I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about. You know, rebooting it 20 years later, but it was an easy choice to make because I didn't have to say, okay, I'm going to commit to, you know, two and a half hours or three hours or however long it is, and I'm going to have to drop, you know, $18 or $15 or whatever a ticket to the movie theater is times two times, you know, another 20 bucks by the time you buy popcorn and Pepsi and all that type of stuff. So I didn't have to commit to a a $50 afternoon or or evening to watch, you know, The Matrix because what I was able to do, I have – um, it's on HBO Max. So I have HBO Max, and so I, I watched the, the movie. And actually, I was kind of glad that I, I did that because I'm not going to pan it. Some people have really panned it. I, I don't. I, I thought it was okay, but it, it didn't hold my attention. I, I, it was one of those where I'd watch it for 45 minutes, hit pause, come back, do all sorts of other stuff, and then you know come back and, and watch another 45 minutes. It wasn't like it gripped me to have me watch the entire two and a half hours or however long it is. I was able to watch it in snippets. But most importantly, I was able to watch it 
I don't want to say for free, but it, it was a fixed cost. I, I pay for HBO Plus, and so it was there. So I got a chance to see that movie without having to go to the, the movie theater and without having to drop all that money. But I did get to see. So I, I've watched two new release movies sitting in, in my home. The one movie that has driven people back to the movie theaters is a movie I haven't seen yet. It's Spider-Man No Way Home, which is the third in the latest reboot of the Spider-Man series, the Spider-Man No Way Home is out there. It's it's done, I think about a billion dollars is what they're saying um, worldwide, um, $1.5 billion worldwide. They estimate that um, it's grossed, um, let's see, an estimated 80 $1.5 million in the U.S., and those numbers are from a couple days ago. So that's a movie that is not available on any streaming platforms, and it's bringing people back into the movies. Candid, I haven't seen it yet, but it, it's on my list. It's a movie that I want to see, along with the new movie that came out Christmas Day, Licorice Pizza, that strikes me as interesting, and I, I kind of want to see that, and we'll maybe Fran and I will go on a movie date sometime. But, but the movie theater numbers are down. And part of it is because of COVID, part of it is because people have gotten out of a habit, and part of it is because a lot of these titles are streaming. And so if you want to watch the Lucy Desi movie, all you got to do is pull up Amazon Plus, uh, Amazon Prime. If you want to watch the Matrix movie, which is a big action movie, and I'm sure it would be cooler to watch it you know, on a big screen, but I've got a 65-inch TV screen. I, I, it, was, it was fine to watch it there, and I can watch it from the comfort of my own home without having to pay any extra cost. I think as long as you've got a lot of these big-time movies which are streaming, it is going to be extremely difficult to get people back to the movies. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, when's the last time that you went to a movie theater, and do you intend to go back anytime soon? And do you think that you're ever going to get to a point where you're going to a movie theater as much as you did I don't know, say pre-COVID, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And my answer is, I, as long as they, the, the, the studios give you the option to stream movies, I, I think it's really I don't see how the movie theaters come back. Every once in a while, you're going to have these blockbuster movies like the Spider-Man movie. I, I get it. But, you know, there, there's only so many of those movies that are out there. And if a movie theater is competing with you know HBO Plus for example for a movie like The Matrix it's going to kill movie theaters won't it 855-616-1620 we discuss <laughs> Jeff I went twice this weekend the theaters were jam packed they were so busy they ran out of many concession items Jeff you might have mentioned this already but until Hollywood starts producing movies that are worth seeing I don't want to waste 50 bucks on tickets and popcorn to see a lackluster movie well that I mean I think that's that's an issue as well that's why you know the spider-man movies that's why spider-man is just doing such huge business because it's an established movie genre you've got the you know, established character it's the third in the trilogy, the latest trilogy. It's got that whole Marvel universe around, and people have been waiting. Here's a text, Jeff. I agree completely. That's the same way I watch The Matrix. Even though I have a 75-inch TV, I will be going to see Spider-Man and Top Gun in the theater, but the convenience of watching it at home, especially when I get my 85-inch TV set, is unbeatable. I'm not allowed to have an 85-inch television set. Mel in Beaver Dam. Mel, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. 
Brown deer. Good afternoon, I'm Jeff. But thank you. That's okay. Look, uh, I'm one that uh, I'm getting into the Fire Stick and the Roku, uh, but for those streaming services, you still have to pay extra for yep. those. I like the experience of the theater, especially Spider-Man, a big, big uh, budget mm-hmm. theater of uh, film, as well as The Matrix. I will go to certain films. I would not go see the Ricardos at a theater. Right. I'd wait on that. You know, I, I waited to uh, see the um, King Richard uh, about the Williams sisters. Right. That great. I, I saw that at home. Right. But that didn't cost me, the, you know, 14 yeah. bucks a month for Netflix or 12 bucks a month for right. uh, HBO. I, I don't want to pay those those amounts. Yeah, no, and I, I get that, Mel. I guess for, for people, I guess my point is for people who, who do, and there's a lot of us that, that have multiple streaming services. I, and especially, see, and I, I get what you're saying, especially for a movie like Spider-Man or one of our texters was saying, you know, Top Gun, these things where you really want to see it on a big screen. I, I, I understand that. But to your point, the movie about the, the Williams sisters, that I don't know that you need to see that on a big screen. I, I haven't watched it yet. I know it's it's available on Netflix, I think, or whichever one it is. Um, the, the, I agree with you. The Ricardo movie, I like I like small movies. I, I like a lot of these little things. But you, you, don't, you don't need to see that on a big screen. I'm not trying to deter people from going to see it in the movie theaters, but it's not like, oh, wow, you know, you need to have that on the big screen because it's an action movie. No, it's a it's a, it's a, a small sort of set piece. The Matrix, I think you could make an argument that The Matrix would be cooler if you watched it on the big screen. But again, now especially that I've seen it, I, I'm not sure that I'm going to drop 15 bucks. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sorry that I watched it in the way I did, especially because I know my wife wouldn't like it at all. So you, you had that dyna- dynamite, uh, that dynamic that was there. 855-616-1620. Tom in West Bend. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Tom. I just, I, I just want to say, I, me and my wife are, are movie, movie freaks, and we go to movie theaters all the time. We just went to saw the Kurt Warner movie uh, oh, yeah. uh, over the weekend. Is that good? And it was very good. And, and it was, uh, but it was very nice. I says I enjoy going to that. I rather go on a date night and do that kind of stuff. And people shell out money always left and right. But for us, it's, enter- it's entertainment. We're old fashioned, and we like our movie theaters. Right. Um, uh, do you do you have any streaming services or, or no? No, I got uh, I got UVerse and everything right. else. I don't have HBO as far right. as far as that stuff. So no. you know, for me and everything else, you know, I. I you know I I enjoy going to that sure. and it's a smaller town. No, guy, thanks for calling. Well, you know it's interesting. A couple of people are texting me too, saying that they they like the Marcus Theaters. What it's like Tuesdays, it's five bucks or something. And so one of our texters was saying, well, I you know I I, I like to watch a lot of the stuff on streaming, but on, on Tuesdays when it's five dollars, I end up going. Um, Jeff, a few weeks ago, I took my three year old son to see the Clifford movie. He enjoyed the experience of going to the theater. But truthfully, otherwise, we seldom go. Bringing the entire family is an expensive endeavor, and it's easier to order the movie from the comfort of my own home. Well, well, that's it. And it, I just, I do think it's an interesting dynamic where the movie theaters, and I, I know the movie theater operators can't be happy with this because they're essentially 
competing with the studios for for your dollars. And uh, you may really see this with The Matrix. The, the Matrix opened up at 22 million, I believe is the last numbers I have. The Matrix, if it was not available on HBO Plus, my prediction is it would have probably done double that business because there's a lot of hardcore Matrix fans that are out there. My guess is it would have done at least $50 million, maybe more, because people would have wanted to see it. It's got the same, you know, it's got Keanu Reeves. It's got um, um, Annie Moss. It's, that's her name, right, um, it's who's, who's, who's in the, the movie. People would want to see what they did, and I think a lot of people did. But when you can do like what I did, if you've already got HBO+, Plus, I didn't order HBO+, Plus for that, but when it's there, I'm sure that a lot of people who might have been inclined to go to the theater ended up passing that by. It's a tough time for movie theaters because you've got people who are reluctant to go back because of COVID. You've got, okay, you know, is Hollywood producing movies that people are going to want to see? How many Spider-Man, you know, you know, how many Spider-Man movies are there left to make? Um, and you're competing again with the streaming. Going to be a tough time for that business. All right, before I launch into this, let's this I put this in the category of how quickly we forget. Do you remember who Julie Briskman is? 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If nobody remembers, I understand. But Julie Briskman. People anybody remember who Julie Briskman is? We're just going to give this uh, a minute, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Julie Briskman. Now, she might be more famous perhaps for what she did as opposed to who she is. But I don't know, four-plus years ago, she was all over the news. Julie Briskman. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Julie Briskman. Eight, let's see. Do we have a got a couple people who want to wade in on this? I just want to give people the satisfaction. I'll tell you in just a minute if you if you don't recall um, if you don't recall who she is. But Julie Briskman. All right, going once, going twice. All right. See, nobody gets who Julie Briskman was. I'll save. I'll. I will save you the trouble. Here's the deal. I take you back to October twenty eighth of. 2017. It's a Saturday afternoon, 3.12 p.m. This is, remember Donald Trump, he is the president at this time. And it was on that afternoon that he had played golf at the Trump National Golf Club in Sterling, which is in Northern Virginia. And Trump and his motorcade is, is leaving the golf course, going to the White House or wherever. Um, the motorcade slows for a red light, and there is a cyclist who is driving. The motorcade passes, and the cyclist, if you will recall, makes an obscene gesture at the president's motorcade. You realize this is President Trump, so she makes an obscene gesture at him. You will recall that. Then the motorcade slows down for a red light. The cyclist by now has caught up to, again, the, the limousine, and in case they didn't see it the first time, the cyclist, again, flips the bird at the president. All right? The cyclist who did that was Julie Briskman. 
All right. Now, you know, after that, that, that this, this picture went viral. She was originally fired from her job for violating social their social media rules because she was very, very proud of the fact that, that she had that she was the one who flipped off the president. Because what happened is there were all these people, these photographers and stuff, news people in the motorcade. They took a picture of her. They weren't able to identify her. So once she saw this, she was very proud. She she went she went and told the world. I am the person who flipped off the president of the United States, and she used some of her work social media accounts. Ultimately, the, her manager, they, they fired her for violating their policy on social media. She sued, got her job back, and, and she actually ran for like a local office and ended up winning. But, I mean, her, her 15 minutes of fame was because she made an obscene gesture at the president of the United States. And again, like I say, she was proud of it. She she identified herself. She went, this is me, and this is what I did. The reaction across the country was, was very, very interesting because among a lot of the pundits, she was applauded. The Washington Post was not appalled. The Washington Post called it the middle finger salute seen around the world. Stephen Colbert said, no one has summed up the mood of the country better. Long may she wave. Um, she was receiving texts from all over the world. People, here's one. Uh, Julie, I don't know you yet. I am so proud of you. You're my hero. Thank you for standing up to this administration. We need, need more like you. Continue to resist. We're all with you all the way. Okay. And, and you get the idea. It was this glowing coverage. She was the woman who flipped the bird to President Donald Trump, and we're going to applaud her because this is what she did. She represented the feelings of millions of people when she made the obscene gesture to Donald Trump, and let's have all the mainstream media out. Let's applaud her. Oh, this is great. Somebody stood up to the evil Donald Trump and told him, you know what? Okay, and, and that's that's all well and good. That That's all fine. Well, I, I now— Take you back to later on this weekend. Now, everybody, everybody knows the story of the, the "Let's Go Brandon" chant. Um, this is the this he's the the NASCAR driver, you know, who um, ends up. He, he's the guy Brandon Brown, and, and he won a race. Everybody knows the story. Like last fall, and he's doing a live interview on television, and people are chanting a bad word. Joe Biden, you know, blank Joe Biden. They're, they're chanting this. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, completely and totally audible on TV. So when the NBC commentator comes back, instead of ignoring it, they say, oh, the, the crowd was chanting, let's go, Brandon. That's not what the crowd was chanting. The crowd was chanting blank Joe Biden, right? Everybody heard it. So um, let's go, Brandon has now taken on the, this life of its own, and people who oppose Joe Biden, it's, uh, you know, seriously or half in jest, they now chant, let's go, Brandon. Well, it's interesting to me because you have a lot of people on the left who are just their heads are on fire that anybody would dare would dare say let's go Brandon to uh, Joe Biden so that brings us to the story of Jared Schmeck 35 okay he was he was on a live streamed Christmas Eve call with President Biden and apparently, you know, they're, they're having this conversation about um, Santa Schmeck said he didn't expect the call to be live screened um, 
And it was told First Lady Jill Biden would be taking calls on the Norid Santa tracker hotline. The Bidens were both there. They greeted Schmeck and his family on the call, pointing out that their son and grandson shared the name Hunter with Schmeck's son. They asked the children for what he wanted for Christmas. Um, okay, so they, they have this discussion. And then at the end of the call, Schmeck says, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas as well. Merry Christmas, and let's go, Brandon. That's what, what he says. Well— the mainstream media, their hair is on fire about this. Media refers to phrase as vulgar insult and right-wing slur. And I'm looking at all the pundits who went absolutely ballistic on Christmas Eve that anybody would say, let's go, Brandon. CNN White House correspondent Jeremy Diamond tweeted, if you think it's appropriate to tell anyone to do this, um, it says a lot more about your personal character than anything else. You know, that is all. The list goes on and on and on. CNN and other people upset about, oh, this is this lack of civility. Now, interestingly, like I say, many of those same people were the ones that were applauding Julie Briskman in 2017 for having the courage to make an obscene gesture at Donald Trump. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The left is just in a rage over this let's go Brandon stuff and is appalled that people would do it. And and I I, I guess I on the one hand, I I understand the quote unquote disrespect, but this is that this idea that this is something new. I mean, really. Where have you, for anybody who thinks that, where have you been for the last 30 years, for goodness sake? Or forget 30 years, where have you been for the last 50 years? I'm a child of the 70s. I remember the protests. I remember the protests in the 60s with Lyndon Johnson. I remember, you know, what people said to Richard Nixon and all. And I guess it's just this interesting thing that you can't say this to Joe Biden, let's go Brandon, which is— Okay, we we understand it's a coded reference, but at the same time, it's not like you're actually saying these things. But apparently it's okay to flip the middle finger at Donald Trump and everybody thinks, hey, you're standing up for people. 855-616-1620. The hypocrisy, I guess, is stunning to me.